there's a song in my head and it goes there's the bass goes and I go where's Barcha and yeah good morning let's see what's going on on YouTube Anna Trump started catfight at wedding. <sighs> so folks, one of the things that's really been growing on old Donnie, and not in a good way, not a good kind of growth, has been that everyone close to him is turning on him and turning on one another. And that applies to people both within the conservative movement, the broad conservative movement, many of whom used to support him, or at least tolerate him, but now increasingly are all spitting in his face, demanding he go the heck away, while also fights growing in his family, between the family members and the family members against him. So first, we're going to cover yet more breaking analysis from conservatives tearing into old Donnie, making it clear that he is a historic loser and he's bad for the conservative movement. Again, conservatives uniting in many ways to stop Donald Trump. But more than that, we're going to get in to not only how a massive catfight at her little sister Tiffany's wedding, an absolutely petty catfight, but also how she's attacking her own daddy in court, trying to pin all the blame on him and throw him under the bus. But I want to start with some of these analyses because they're very, very important. Because all of this is happening at the same time. Remember, the whole pretext at that wedding that we're going to get into was he was miserable in part because his party lost, but because every piece of news were conservatives trashing him. And those stories haven't gone away. Has been uh, posting and saying that uh, that this is what happened before. They counted me out, and uh, and I, I came in and won. It, it seems different now. It seems like it's a different environment, uh, and different people are being vocal about their concerns about him as the top of the party. Well, I thought for some time, Brett, and there are some there's polling on this that reflects this that while he maintains real influence within the Republican Party, no two ways about that. But it has begun to fade. It started fading, really, I think, after his annex post-election in 2020, that a great many people who were with him, perhaps up until then, uh, began to move away from it. And he never has really done anything to change that. He's continued to insist that the election okay. was stolen from him, that he should be the real president, and so on so forth. And if you look at these election results, candidates who followed that line, who agreed with him about that, did not fare particularly well. They didn't all lose, but a lot of them did lose. And a lot of lost in races that they could have won. So I think that, that both in terms of uh, opinion and in terms of influence, uh, his his star has faded. That doesn't mean he's not a big factor in it. And that getting past him for the Republicans, looking ahead to 2024, is going to be, it could be ugly, could be bloody, uh, could be painful, uh, could cause some 
you know, couldn't cause enough Republicans who were for Trump to, dis to, you know, to move away and be disaffected in 2024. So that's the hardest job they have, is to try to work around Trump. And it could all start tomorrow. We'll see. These are, these are brutal. Like, every day, guys, you're seeing it from the, the Murdoch media empire. Every day, guys, they are staring into him. And I know there are still a few defenders on Fox for Trump. Some of them are his own relatives. There are a few loyalists. There are a few people that are maybe laying low, not really picking a side. But by and large, the voices that are critical of the faded star Donald Trump are being magnified. And Donald Trump hates that. There is nothing Donald Trump hates more than being called a faded star. He would rather be called a thug, a fascist, a crook, whatever. He'd love to be called those things in comparison to a faded star. Because what is a faded star? A faded star gets ignored. Whether you're a faded star in show business, and remember, Donald Trump was big in show business for a long time. The only reason he was president was because he was in show business. And now, he used to be big in politics. But whether it's in show business, whether it's in his social life, or whether it's in politics or formal business, his star is faded. And he's absolutely miserable because of it. And it's because he can't shake the brand. Here's another conservative with decades of conservative credentials ripping him to shreds. And look, the, the timing of, of Trump's announcement is awfully interesting because if there had been a genuine red wave, this would have been politically smart, right? He would have uh, taken credit for it. The wind would be at his back. He would get in before his opponents. He would beat the Department of Justice. But given the fact that he's got this big loser label slapped on his forehead, the announcement tomorrow makes a lot less sense. I'm trying to break up with him because he almost got my kids killed, or because he did great harm to our democracy, or because as president he sought to weaponize the Justice Department, the IRS, the military, and everything else to hold on to um, power and control and punish his enemies. They're trying to break up with him because they lost so many offices and so many times with him. They lost the Georgia special. They lost the 2018 midterms. They lost the 2020 presidential. They lost the 2020 Senate. They lost what they thought was going to be a red wave. And we finally cleanse all of their political sins and standing by him. And you got to go back to Access Hollywood, one of the first group of elected Republicans that in for a dime, in for a dollar, I'm standing by my man. Um, they're not walking away today because grossed out by him. They're walking away today because he's a loser. No, and I think it's the important underline. This is not about principle. This is not about uh, a return of conscience. This is not about a restoration of their courage. This is a, this is uh, just simply watching politicians whose uh, minds have been marvelously focused by losing an election, by the prospect of losing power. And it's dawning on them that this is going to happen again in 2024. Look, um, election deniers were defeated all across the country in every single swing state, as, as you mentioned. Well, that is at the heart of this Trump revenge campaign that he's going to announce tomorrow night. That's what he's got. Uh, this is what he is going to demand as the litmus test for Republicans going forward. And suddenly, um, people are realizing that extremism and election denial, um, in fact, are not popular. Look, as long as they thought he was winning, they were willing to look the other way. And you can see it. Bam. It's just, it's perfect. And it's true. Because remember, one of the things Donald Trump does to, to keep his movement in line, the GOP and his base in line, is to appear strong and to appear as if you are a winner. It doesn't matter if you are or you're not. It's just like perception. And up until now, you could say that Donald Trump was a loser. I mean, popular vote. He lost it in 2016. That was a fluke.
at the time. You know, Manny's a loser. He is a loser. But it's only now that, again, it's been it's been popped on his head, and he can't scrub it away. No matter what, no matter, no matter how much ketchup you put on it, it will not go away. No ifs, ands, or buts. And that's why he looks weak now. As soon as he looks weak in a movement that's based off the appearance of, like, fascistic strength, that's when you are expendable. And now we're going to get into this because it gets into the legal arguments. You can see how his legal arguments are also being torn apart by top conservatives. Have you thought about joining the Evolve program? We offer the fastest path to co-art skills and we can give you a solid level education at a fraction of the cost and the time. Our results speak for themselves. We've helped thousands of artists around the world with an art like this for their own original. Thank you. 
doing a long time. Ivanka Trump crossed out Kimberly Guilfoyle from her Instagram post and Tiffany Trump's wedding. And this is the original photograph on the right. So you can see in the first photo, you can see that, you know, that Ivanka left out Kimberly Guilfoyle. And in the second, she's there. She was in the picture. And when Ivanka posted it, she made extra sure to exclude her. Now, apparently after, she tried to fix this, I suppose. But I don't know if this was unintentional. I think this might be related to the fact that while Kimberly and, and Laura see themselves as moving in on Ivanka's territory, as her and Jared leave, and now they're the daughters-in-law that are going to take, sort of take up this role of top females in the Trump family, you know, right now Ivanka's pulling away. And I think this is in a way a, a, a subtle shot at Kimberly Guilfoyle at least. Maybe they don't like one another. And I think this shows that the family itself is in a bit of hot water. You're seeing cat fights between the Trump women at a Trump wedding. You're seeing Donald Trump getting thrown under the bus by his own daughter. And you're seeing the conservative movement unite against him. And election deniers.
it just revert back to the mean. I think it depends on who the Republicans are, you know, uh, not just the presidential level, but all the way down. Because I think one dynamic you saw in the midterms is, like, in states where there was a non-MAGA Republican candidate running for the one statewide office and a MAGA Republican candidate running for the other statewide office, the non-MAGA Republican candidate did much better, right? Yeah, over, over 50 on Yeah, so, so Sununu, Republican in New Hampshire, wins the governor's race there by quite a bit. Don Bolduc loses to Maggie Hassan. Um, Mike DeWine in Ohio, the governor there, ran far ahead of J.D. Vance, uh, even though J.D. Vance ended up winning. And you sort of saw that pattern repeated throughout the country. So we're obviously still waiting for the results for these House elections. We'll be waiting probably a couple weeks till we get the full results from California and, uh, and any other states that are waiting on mail-in ballots. But to play devil's advocate here, mm-hmm. let's say that Kevin McCarthy ends up with a one or two seat majority. Yeah. What can he do, practically speaking, knowing that his caucus is going to span from you know, moderate Republicans all the way to somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene? It's going to get him to the Marjorie Taylor Greene point. Right? But, like but don't, don't the moderates have just as much leverage as the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world? They do. They can, look, I think the whole thing's ridiculous. <laughs> I think that, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how he's going to do this. Like, if there are going to be times where it seems like Nancy Pelosi or whoever the Democratic leader in the country retires um, is going to be in charge. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're going to have, like, you're right, Kevin McCarthy, you could see scenarios where, like, they could only keep the government open or lift the debt ceiling if McCarthy agreed to uh, some deal with the Democrats. But again, then if he agrees to that deal, then suddenly they could, uh, they're trying to reinstitute a rule in the House, some of their right-wing crazies, where they can call sort of a snap election any moment for Speaker. Sort of thing. So yeah. if, yeah. if McCarthy pisses them off, then they can just oust him and then the next, uh, the next one gets in there. So a Republican flip during a midterm cycle where with the other party in power uh, and 10% inflation is pretty disastrous, uh, I'd imagine that it pretty much wipes out any man- mandates for Republicans. So do you think that means that Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan's plans to impeach Joe Biden and investigate Hunter and investigate uh, litter boxes and yeah. bathrooms, do you think that that goes away? Do you think that that doesn't materialize now given the performance that they had midterms? It certainly should. But uh, this is not a crew that has uh, learned many lessons. <laughs> like every time we, you know, I mean, I, I was on the Obama campaign in 2012 in the re-election. Uh, Obama famously said, wrongly so, uh, if, if we win this one, the people will break and maybe Republicans will learn that they should work with us, not just out of the goodness of their heart, but because otherwise they'll just continue to get defeated like this. Um, they never learned that, right? They nominated Donald Trump and they kept him, you know, then they won. So that taught them all the wrong lessons in 16. But, um, yeah, look, I think if if they wanted to be smart, if Republicans wanted to be smart, they would figure out how they would not impeach Joe Biden for nothing. Um, maybe they do a few investigations here or there where it seems like it made more sense. Um, I don't think any of them make sense, but, like, yeah. it, you know, not so crazy. Um but uh, I don't know that they're going to be able to do that because the incentive structure there is they have a bunch of right-wing lunatics in their caucus. Uh, they have a right-wing media that is going to keep the outraged and angry and fearful all the time. And so, you know, these people don't make a lot of their own decisions. Yeah. Their decisions are made for them by Tucker Carlson. Who, and who, who, 
Taylor Green. Who just the other day came on TV and like gave a message as a news person, as like a news person, gave a message to the Republican leadership, like marching orders from this guy who's like a purported newsman. Yeah, no, he like he's I heard he was meeting with them. Yeah, you know? yeah. it's crazy. In a scenario where Democrats hold the Senate plus lose the House by just a handful of seats, what does the next two years look like for the Biden administration? I think it uh, looks like confirming a lot of judges, uh, filling every judicial vacancy that there is. Uh, and, and look, Biden administration has been really good at that. Yeah. They've been on a better pace than the Trump administration or the Obama administration in filling vacancies. So I think they'll continue to do that, um, including like if there are other Supreme Court vacancies. I think that um, President Biden will be able to the government uh, and sort of just nominate people for administration roles and be able to confirm them. And beyond that, I think that the Republican House is sort of tough to do anything other than keep the government funded and, they, and have you know, deals to keep the government funded and, and obviously lift the debt ceiling, close the oil ceiling, put the taxes in. Something else that we'll look forward to seeing is a lot of the plans that were put in place prior to this start to bear themselves out. And so we'll see the infrastructure plan start to bear itself out in the different states. We'll see, hopefully, them start to continue to work through the process of, of choosing those collection of drugs that they're going to allow the government to negotiate lower prices for. Um, so a lot of the plans that were laid out, the Democrats... <laughs> Uh, against Lee Zeldin, who's uh, 
and uh, what do we do in a state like that where the bottom basically fell out of the entire democratic apparatus yeah. um, short of sort of shipping Ben Whitley there? Yeah. <laughs> Look, there are states that have been getting redder over the last decade or so where I would say because of demographic changes, because of people moving out of the state, because they're losing population. They cheated they're down in Florida. Still compete there. They blocked monitors. Miami did. Other places. Refused to let the Justice Department come in and monitor. Yeah, it was stolen. Rigged. up the corporate media monopoly five corporations own all our media Thank you. 
perfect, but it's something that like she promised, it's something that she fought for, and like people believe in her kind of thing. And and I hope that people's focus on on candidates like that also kind of chips away at just the general the general like lack of any material uh, offering from the Republicans. I mean, for years yes. and years and years, it's almost become a joke now that it's like, well, it's it's September of an election year. Who are the migrant caravans? You right. know, and and there comes a point when like. Yes, that will be effective in terms of scaring the shit out of their base, but at the end of the day, what do they get from that? Like, Democrats were able to deliver, you know, student uh, student debt relief. They were able to deliver, they were able to forgive marijuana, um, marijuana convictions at the federal level and get free COVID vaccines and tests for everybody and lower the price of, uh, of drugs and cap out-of-pocket costs for seniors at 2000 bucks a year and implement $35 a month. And, like, all of these are material impacts. And, like, on the other side, it's like, you don't want your kids to be using litter boxes and bathrooms. You don't want uh, you don't want these these immigrants to rape your wives and sell drugs to your kids. And at the end of the day, like you're not getting a lot from that, as opposed to the other side where you're getting actual like material benefits from electing these people. And I think that people understood that at the time, right? And I think that is one big reason why inflation didn't have the political effect that a lot of people expected, because. The Republicans decided not to have a plan yeah. <laughs> about yeah. inflation. I think the Republicans campaigned all over the country on some three or three five point plan to reduce inflation. Like we might have had some more trouble in some races, yeah. but I think people understood that. Like these people, if they won, weren't going to go and try to reduce inflation. These people are going to go try to ban abortion yeah. and, then, and maybe gay marriage and maybe a whole bunch of other shit that like we didn't we didn't ask them to do. Moving forward toward the Georgia runoff, because we're not done yet, yeah. and we live in a perpetual cycle of hell, yeah. uh, what do you think the Democrats' best message to seize on in that race is? I mean, I think it's, it's going to be more of a, 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 well, it depends, right? If, so we have the Senate, um, because if Catherine Cortez Masso wins and, and Kelly is declared, uh, officially declared the winner, then we have the Senate, and then I think it becomes much more of a, a, a Georgia race. It's about these two candidates, and it's about the fact that Herschel Walker is like one of the least qualified people ever to hold office, and Raphael Warnock has been there fighting for Georgians for the last couple of years, right? I think that's the race. I think if Cortez Masso loses, and now the uh, the Senate sort of hangs in, on Georgia, control of the Senate hinges on Georgia, then I think it becomes naturally uh, a, a more national race. And then the real message is like, you know, this whole victim was just fought over jobs and over the fact that, like, we lost an election, a couple of elections, or we didn't get to nominate Supreme Court uh, justices. And because of that, a very right wing court just overturned Roe v. Wade, right? And I think that campaigning on the importance of holding the Senate so that we don't have any more extremist right wing judges all over the country and the Supreme Court is going to be not the only message, but definitely a message that I think will get a lot of Democrats in Georgia to the polls, especially like our base polls. Okay, so let's let's move over to uh, to Trump. Mm, um, yeah. Do you do you think that this signals the end for Trump? Um, <laughs> because this does seem to be the weakest position he's been in. Even Kaylee McEnany came out on Fox the other day and told him to stay out of Georgia, while also telling Ron DeSantis to go to Georgia, which, which uh, I'll ask you about in a minute, but just right now I just want to focus on Trump. Um, and, and I say this all knowing full well that we've said that this is the end of yeah, Trump. Yeah. 
uh, you know, from Access Hollywood to impeachment yeah. number one to impeachment number two to January 6th, and the guy's still here. So, uh, with that said, just what, what are your thoughts on, on his, uh, his strength in the party more broadly right now? Uh, it's, again, it should be the end of the time, but, like, he's Trump, yeah. and all we can think about, all we can think about is, uh, himself, and, uh, I don't think that he, like, is, is thinking himself so hard, or even sees what's going on in ways, so I think he's sort of in an awkward one too generally, and now, so, as for the party, I think most elites in the party, um, don't like him. I think they, there was always a bargain that they made, right? Like, all morals aside, um, their bargain was like, yeah, he's a drag when it comes to suburban voters, but the base turnout that we get is worth it, and so, like, we're going to just make this double bargain with him or whatever. The question is if, if the midterm results start making them think, like, hmm, maybe the, maybe the bargain isn't worth it anymore. Yeah. For our political survival, and maybe like we have a better shot with someone like Ivanka Trump. Now the question, like they all think that. The question is that they act on it, right? And they're all so afraid to say something, right? Like the same people who always say shit about Trump are saying it, and then there's still a whole bunch of people that are being quiet. And I just don't know. Like I, like I think if you wanna, if you're in the Republican Party and you wanna take this guy down, you gotta throw a punch. You can't just, like, sit around hoping that he goes away on his own, because that's what they did in 2016. That's what they've been doing since then. It never, it never works. Well, with that said, on to Ron DeSantis now. You know, Trump came out with a pretty swinging victory. He came out with a yeah. series of, of proofs, uh, basically, a like, truth. a ton of truths. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, taking credit for his win and calling him names. Uh, that's what before. You know, they cleared the, the Republican field in 2016. Um Granted, he didn't have the baggage in 2016 that he does now. He doesn't have these midterm results that basically show that he's something of an albatross on Republicans next. Next, and if they want to win more elections, which uh, presumably that that would be the goal moving forward, uh, he's going to make that more difficult. So, do you think that Trump is able to keep DeSantis at bay, or do you think that now is the time when DeSantis should should move forward with uh, you know a strike against Trump? If I was Ron DeSantis, I would absolutely run for president. This is, I mean, like, Ron DeSantis, and I am not a fan of Ron DeSantis by any means, but um, he is at, like, the height of his political standing right now because of what happened in Michigan, right? Like, whether it's fair or not, like, the guy, you know, won a crushing victory in Florida. That's what the perception is. That's what that, that was the one bright spot for the Republican Party. Um, by the way, his gerrymandering in Florida probably helped Republicans in the House, and so, um, and Donald Trump had a catastrophic night, because all of his Looney Tunes candidates lost, right? So, if you're DeSantis, like, yeah, your choice is, do I just wait, do I let Trump do this in 24, and maybe he loses, and then I run in 28, or Trump runs and runs in 24, so I just wait till 20, no matter what. But, like, I don't know, I think it's politics, sort of, moments come, and then they go. Yeah. I mean, Obama faced this in 2008, and a lot of people said, like, maybe he should wait until 2012, or whatever else. But he sort of knew that the sort of the buzz around him was, like, reaching a fever pitch at that moment. Yeah. And I think, I think DeSantis is DeSantis. But, like, if Donald Trump's going to, like, send out 30 proofs, you know, saying he's taking
You nail them on their lies, duh. Gotta shoot them down. Call them liars.
they actually one person's strength uh, if one person's strength directly contrasts with the other person's weaknesses, like totally. like what happened with Fetterman and Oz, like Fetterman's authenticity and Oz's phoniness, then like that's the most effective thing that you could possibly do. It was the absolute best contrast, I think, in all of the business generations that's been going on right now. Do you get a sense from the majority of your guests that the online-ness of it all is a net negative? Here's why, like, it is easy to say, okay, so Twitter is a small, uh, seemingly disintegrating platform. <laughs> um, right, as of this recording, Twitter is still here. Right, but, uh, but it is like, it does not have nearly the same user base as YouTube or TikTok or Facebook or any of these others, right? Yeah. But because every journalist in the world is on is on Twitter, it has an outsized influence on shaping the media coverage that is where most people get their information about politics and how most people make their choices about politics. And so, unfortunately, the toxic conversation that happens on Twitter does shape political news coverage in a way that I think is detrimental to politics as a whole, but especially detrimental to the Democratic Party. And to Democratic candidates, because I think Republicans have built their own sort of online media ecosystems, so they can get messages out that way. Because the progressive media infrastructure is still not anywhere near as, as powerful as the right wing, we still rely on mainstream media, and if mainstream media is continually shaped by this Republican talking points, Republican talking points, and the sort of silly who's winning, who's right. losing bullshit conversation that happens online, yeah. then it's just not going to work. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's spot on. I think that the reason that there hasn't been a lot of room made for progressive outlets, although I think it's getting better, but I, I think the Democratic Party still views, or Democrats, or the left more broadly, views like the mainstream media as, as our team. And, and like I said before, I mean, ironically, like these people will do everything in their power to... to Try to show that they're not liberal. Like, like, God forbid somebody does call them liberal, they'll run the opposite way as fast as they possibly can, and, yeah. and that's why we're left with uh, we're left with legitimizing coverage of Benghazi or Hillary Zima ah. and all that bullshit oh. because, like, because they want nothing more than to be viewed as liberal, and like we 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 as a party more broadly view them as our team, and they don't want to be on our team. Yeah. And so, like, Republicans have their team who are who are unapologetically Republican, and then the Democrats have these guys who are like, oh. Fuck that, we're not like... Yeah, like they're, they're not on our team. Yeah. And, and, and look, that's not their job to be, but that's it's, it's an imbalance because of what you mentioned with Republicans. I will say the other the other reason would be that being extremely online is bad, particularly for Democrats, particularly for progressives, is the Republican philosophy, the right-wing philosophy, is survival of the fittest, uh, every person for themselves, we want a small group of people who take power, and then people who don't look like us, who don't think like us, who don't act like us, who don't believe what we do, like, you get, you don't just get the, you get shut out of power off the bat, right? And the theory behind progressivism and liberalism is solidarity, right? It is not just working together with people who don't look like you or act like you or think like you. It's actually like having empathy for them. It is standing with them to fight not just for your rights, but for their rights, to make sure that they have opportunity and not just you have opportunity, right? And to have that kind of solidarity 
need to have relationships with people. You need to have organized. You need to be able to organize with people in a way that is like real life. <laughs> <laughs> like meeting with people, like talking to people, and, and and being able to argue with your allies in a way that is productive yeah. and that like leads to resolution. And you can't do that online. Yeah. And that's why I think like you know, like I was on the Obama campaign in '08, and online organizing was extremely helpful to us. Then. But I think we have reached a point now. The way the internet is, the way that like online organizing is, is that it is insufficient for building the type of solidarity that expresses something that we need to actually succeed. And the organizers who are organizing folks in real life and who are still like hanging out in coffee shops and knocking on doors and like that, like those people, whether they're far left, mainstream, center left, they are having more success than people who are just yelling into the void online. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty spot on. Like, and, and it feels like that too. Like, I I feel like it's changed. I feel like it's shifted since I got online in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and it it doesn't feel fun. And and sometimes I I used to be really good at compartmentalizing all of the stuff. And even during the early days of the Trump administration, like I could see terrible stuff, and you know, it would upset me when it happened. And but but I was still. I was still physically able to like at the end of the day turn my brain off and like go get a drink with friends and not and not like not think about it all the time. But I feel like I feel like it's been you've been worn down. You get worn down like over the years, and I'm not good at compartmentalizing it anymore. And sometimes like you know, especially leading up to the midterms when when you're just like consumed with so much yeah. dread, um, I, I would I would log on Twitter and just like bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news, dreadful, dreadful. Like and you just and I'm just like. For like my, I could feel like for my health, I can't, I can't be on this. And and of course, you have to if you do what what we do, which is like you have to you have to watch the news and you have to like close yourself off to it and then expect to get anything done that day. If you're just you know like no one's gonna knock on your door and tell you what's going on in the news, but like, but like the way that we receive it and and these and these channels and these outlets are just um it, it is and and I know like the incentive structure is there for people like I know that that negativity works more than positivity and like there is all of these bad incentives online and so uh, and again if you're Down, down, down. Show you how to elevate your making game.
you're still there. Oh, yeah, you are. Hey, man, so, um, you know, he left out a one really important thing that I think really motivated people to turn out, and that's how the <clears throat> Republicans were obviously blatantly putting into place people who would be overturning the next election, like Fincham and um, Carrie Lake and, and uh, yeah, these insurrectionists. So that democracy really was on the ballot, and that's the reason why there was a lot of dread, as Brian Tyler Cohen put it, in the lead-up to those elections, because we had the historic uh, you know, red wave, or, uh, you know, the opposite party in midterms gaining a lot of seats historically. So we had that going against us. We had the, the you know, this vanguard, revolutionary vanguard of fucking fascists that were purposely put into place to, to steal these elections if we gave them the chance and we didn't. So congratulations, everybody. We did it. It was a freaking narrow escape. Um, thank you, young people. Thank you, women. Thank you, people of color. Thank you, everybody, for coming out in droves, and young people especially. You did it, man. You saved our collective ass.